Good morning. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, if you want to go ahead and be turning there. Um, in the early church, they had a greeting that I think is pretty uh, relevant for this morning. So when believers would meet together, their greeting would be, one would say, He is risen. And the response would be, He is risen indeed. So let's give that a shot this morning, all right? He is risen. He is risen Amen. That's good stuff, right? That's why we're here, right? I mean, if we're going to be honest, we are here because He is risen indeed. And so uh, I'm fired up for the opportunity just to share with you some things that, that God has laid on, on my heart for this morning. I will tell you that, you know, for me, Easter, if I'm being honest, has always been about Good Friday. I'll just, that's where I've been, I think, because I, um, I struggle with the idea of my Savior having to go to the cross for me. It's something that, I, that bothers me. It weighs on me. And it's always the perspective I look at when I think about Easter weekend. And I will even tell you that a few weeks ago, when we were talking about our schedule and... and uh, I was like, man, I know exactly what I'm going to preach if, if somebody needs to preach on Easter. Man, I've got a message about the cross that is just going to be, uh, I was fired up. But over the last few weeks, that's not where my heart is this morning. I think that I need, I think that we need to remember that Friday was a huge part of Easter weekend. And it's good, but we get our hope from Sunday. I mean, victory was won on Friday in a lot of ways. My sin was paid for on Friday, and man, I'm so, so thankful that the almighty, perfect Son of God chose to become sin so that I could be saved. I'm so, so thankful. But I need this morning to be reminded that he's also won victory over death. And that death is really a figment of our imagination in a lot of ways. And uh, death doesn't win. It doesn't win. Satan doesn't get to win through death. Because Jesus said death isn't permanent. Jesus said that he was the resurrection and the life. Now, so we're going to look at Easter from, a, from that standpoint. And for many of you, you're like, well, that's what Easter is, dum-dum. You're right, you're right, I'm slow of learning. Okay? I, I just, I know that, but I haven't embraced it the way that I should, the way that I have this year. It's different, it's different. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We're going to start, we're going to, we're going to, Go through life. It's a long chapter. Uh, we're not going to hit every, every verse, but we're going to hit a lot of it. So you're going to have to listen quickly. 1 Corinthians 5, 1 through 4. If you found your place and if you're willing and able this morning, I know we've got a few that may not be able. That's okay. But if you are able this morning, go ahead and stand with me in honor of reading God's Word this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 4 says, Moreover, Brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received, and wherein you stand, 
by which also you are saved, if you keep in memory that I preached unto you, or what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture, and that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. Let's pray. Uh, Jesus, I love you. I thank you for all you do. I thank you for the opportunity just to share your word this morning. And I pray, uh, God, that as we gather this morning, and as we dig into your word, that it won't be my voice that they hear, but it will be the voice of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray you'll speak directly into our hearts, God, that we will see that we have victory over death, hell, and the grave because you are the first fruits of the resurrection. And that we're all going to be resurrected, Lord. I pray that we will understand that this life is temporary, but so is death as we've often viewed it. Uh, because you have made a better way and you have a better plan. And Lord, we just pray that your spirit will move and that lives will be changed. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and be seated. So here we see that um, he's just saying the gospel in a nutshell. That's what I like to call verses 3 and 4 there. 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4, the gospel in a nutshell. Um, for I have delivered unto you, first of all, that which I have received, that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scripture, and that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day, according to the Scripture. Man, that's good. He has done exactly what Scripture said He would. He's done exactly, and He says, this is wherein you're saved. Many of you here this morning are saved. Praise God. And if you are saved this morning, it's because you have put your faith and trust in the fact that He died, for our sins according to the Scripture, that He was buried, and that He raised again on the third day according to the Scripture. That is salvation. But even though we're saved, sometimes we need reminders. Because this world can bog us down, and it can wear us down, and it can, it can weigh on us. And we need to be reminded that we are saved for a purpose. And I believe that purpose is more than heaven. We are saved, one, so that we can have perfect fellowship with God. Sin separates man from God. And without Good Friday, and without Resurrection Sunday, we could not be in perfect fellowship with God. And He desired it so much that He went to the cross for us. But we're also saved to make a difference in our homes, in our communities, in our world. And I don't know about anybody else, but I oftentimes get distracted by that. I'm focused on the day-to-day, paying the bills, winning the games, okay, having the uh, formal observation. I had one of those this week. I hope I passed, Ms. Foster's not in here, right? So, anyway. But we're, we're caught up in the day-to-day grind. What do, we, what do we got to get done today? I don't know how many times I've asked, all right, what do I got to get done today? But I was saved for more than that. I was saved from my sin, and I was saved to good works. And those good works are not just doing the right thing, but they're helping others come to know Jesus. Anyway, that is, that is, uh, uh, that's not where we're going to spend the bulk of our time this morning. I, I think that that's important to start there. If you have not yet put your faith and trust in those things, that Jesus died for us according to the Scripture, 
that he was buried and that he raised again the third day according to the scripture, then today I want you to be there. That's where it starts. Have you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, what he did at the cross and what he did by conquering the grave, then today is your day of salvation. But we're going to move on from that. And if that's you and you want to come forward right now, come on. Praise God. I got people to take you to the back. We'll talk about that part right now. At any point. Come on. If that's you, come on. Alright? Because that's what we're really here for. But let's move on down to verse 12. And we're skipping some verses throughout this, not because they're not good, but just because we would be here literally all day if we dug into all of it. But if uh, I encourage you to read it for yourself, maybe this afternoon with your families. So we're going to skip down to verse 12. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 12. We're going to read through about verse 20. It says, Now if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how do some say among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen? And if Christ is not risen, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain? Yea, we are found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up, if the dead are not raised. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, then your faith is in vain, and ye are yet in your sins. Then they also, which have fallen asleep in Christ, have perished. And if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. But now is Christ risen from the dead, and become the firstfruits of them that slept. So, let's be honest for a minute this morning. Well, let's be honest for the whole time this morning, but let's... Let's really dig in to this point, okay? If we're, if we're honest with ourselves, then we'll understand that saying that I hang my entire life, my entire existence is dependent on and built around the idea that a man, or that God became man, that He lived a perfect life, and that He died a sinner's death in my place, and then he was buried, and then he rose from the grave three days later. If we're being honest, that's hard for someone who is not being drawn by the Holy Spirit to even comprehend. It sounds cartoonish. It sounds Hollywood. Right? Am I, did I lose you? Let's be honest. We've all heard stories from Greek mythology or from other religions, we say, man, that don't even make sense. Get out of here with that nonsense. But if we really look at what we hang our life on, what we build our life around to an unbeliever, to someone who doesn't even have a desire for the things of God, they say what? Get out of here with that. God became man? Why would He do that? That doesn't even make sense. Oh, He lived a perfect life. I've known a lot of good people, but nobody's perfect. Oh, He died on the cross so you wouldn't have to. Okay, Dusty. And then he raised from the dead. And he was seen of other people for 40 days, and then he just floated off into heaven. Listen, I believe it with every ounce of who I am. But if I'm honest, it sounds out there. It takes some faith to believe it. It takes faith 
to believe it. And it's not new. We read here, it says, you know, some people say that there is no resurrection of the dead. That we live this life, and when this life is over, our existence is over. Make the most of your, your 20, 30, 60, 70 years. Because when it's over, it's over. And he says, but look, if the dead aren't raised, then Christ isn't raised. And if Christ isn't raised, then we're wasting our time trying to do good and be good and leave the world a better place because what does it matter? But he goes on to say, but Christ is raised. Listen, this morning, maybe the hardest point that I had to, to, to deal with as I prepared this message was verse 18 there. It says, then, uh, if Christ, verse 17, if Christ is not raised, your faith is in vain and you are yet in your sins. And then verse 18, then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. If there is no resurrection of the dead, then those who have fallen asleep in Christ, they're just gone. It's done. It's over. It's finished. That they've lived their good life, and it's over. If Christ be not raised, if we be not raised someday, What about our loved ones? What about my sister? What about Kayla, my Andrew? What about grandmas and grandpas who prayed us through difficult times and whose prayers are still, I think, protecting us today? Well, the truth is, it's, it's hopeless and it's pointless to live righteously if there is no resurrection. But then it goes on to verse 20. Hallelujah for verse 20, right? But now is Christ risen from the dead? It's, that is a declaration. It, it says, the way it's worded in modern English sounds a little funny, but now is Christ risen. No, no, it's saying now is Christ risen. It is de a declaration. Now is Christ risen. Praise God, He is risen. Get nervous for a minute there. Okay? Praise God, He is risen and has become the first fruits of them that slept. Listen, I don't know if y'all understand how this works, but if there is a first fruits, then there probably is a what? There's a next fruits. A second, a third, a fourth, a fifth. There's going to be fruit to come. There's no reason to have a first fruit if that's the only fruit. It's not just about... The resurrection today celebration is not just about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen. That's good. That's why we're here. But praise God, today is about celebrating the resurrection of all the saints. And all the believers. Today we can rest assured because Christ, what Christ did at the cross and then at the empty tomb, that someday we will all be resurrected. If you go back to the story of Lazarus, they say, you know, if Jesus, if you'd been here, Mary and Martha both said, Jesus, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And he said, look, he's going to be resurrected. And they, what did they think he meant? Well, I know in the end, in the last days, everyone's going to be resurrected. 
They weren't listening to what he was saying, that they were gonna, he was going to be resurrected right then. But the truth is the same, that someday everyone will be resurrected. Turn over uh, with me to John chapter 5. John chapter 5. Man, this is good truth. It's difficult truth, but it is good truth. John chapter 5. Verses 28 and 29. Jesus says, Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in the which all that are in the graves will hear His voice and shall come forth. Who will? All. All that are in the graves will hear His voice and will come forth. They that have done good unto the resurrection of life and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation or death or separation from God. Listen, regardless of what you believe this morning or what you have believed in the past, the truth is that everyone will be resurrected. The Bible is clear. The day will come when all people are called out of the grave, out of the bottom of the ocean, out of wherever their body lies. I don't know what that's going to look like. Look, I, I don't claim to be a genius. Far from it. I don't understand it all. But I know that it was pretty plain and clear. Jesus said, all who are in the graves will be resurrected. Some will be resurrected to life, and some will be resurrected to damnation, to death, to separation from God for all of eternity. The, the question is not whether we will be resurrected. And as, as easy as it is to believe that, oh, well, everyone who's gone on is in a better place, it's not biblical. As easy as it is to believe that, well, some are going to be re resurrected to heaven and others... Maybe they just cease to exist, or maybe they just lay in a grave. Maybe they just, it's not biblical. The Bible says that someday all people will hear his voice and they will be resurrected. Some to life, that is, some to eternal fellowship with God at his feet, worshiping and praising him, and some will be resurrected to death. They're going to get one last taste of what life could have been as they stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And they're uttered the worst possible words, depart from me, for I never knew you. But we're all going to be resurrected. All of us, this life as we know at some point, will end, whether that be through death or through the return of Christ. But the bottom line is that when Jesus rose from the dead, He was the first fruits of the resurrection. And we can all expect to be part of the coming fruits of the resurrection. But we're all going to be resurrected. My goal, my prayer, my hope is that every person here this morning or, or 
listening or who will hear this later, my hope and my prayer is that you will decide to surrender your life to Jesus Christ so that you'll be resurrected to true life, to eternal life, to a life that never ends, never fades, never, no more hurt. You know, as I, I watch people I love and I care about cry and, and struggle and deal with things, boy, it, it tears my heart apart. But I know that someday, the things that we're dealing with now, they won't matter. All that will matter is whether I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. But the resurrection is sure. It's going to happen. Whether you believe it or not, it's going to happen. Let's move on. We're going to skip ahead a few more verses. We're going to go down to about 34. And it's hard because there's so much goodness that I want to I get into, but um, we're going we're gonna to read a few verses, and then we're going to skip a little more and finish up. Okay, 1 Corinthians 15, 34 through 44. And we're, we're keeping with that same thought, okay, that Jesus is the first fruits. And then here we go, verse 34, 1 Corinthians 15. Awake to righteousness and sin not. For some have not the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. I didn't want to just stop in one verse, but we're going to for just, just two seconds, okay? He's saying, awake to righteousness. Wake up, church. Let's get righteous and let's stop sinning because some people don't have the knowledge of God and that's our fault. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, that's a whole other message that I'm not going to preach to you this morning. But we need, to, we need to dig in. Awake to righteousness, quit sinning because some people don't know God, and I'm telling you this because you got to do better. I got to do better. We got to do better. Whew, that's good stuff. 35. But some will say, How are the dead raised up, and with what body do they come? You fool, that which you sow is not quickened, except it die. And that which you sow, thou sowest not that body that shall be, but bare grain. It may chance of wheat or of some other grain, but God gives it a body as it hath pleased Him, and to every seed His own body. All flesh is not the same flesh. There is one kind of flesh of men, another flesh of beasts, another of fishes, and another of birds. There are also celestial bodies and bodies terrestrial. But the glory of the celestial is one, the glory of the terrestrial is another. There is one glory of the sun and another glory of the moon and another glory of the stars, for one star differs from another star in glory. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption, but it is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. Let's skip on down to verse 51. Verse 51 of 1 Corinthians 15. It says, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep or we shall not all die, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For the corruptible must put on incorruption, and the mortal must put on immortality. 
So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. Can I get an amen? O death, where is your sting? O grave, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Amen, amen, amen. If that don't get you a little fired up, then bless your heart. Okay? He says, don't you understand? Because It doesn't make sense. We don't understand. We know that when Jesus was resurrected, He was seen uh, of, for 40 days. He was seen of hundreds of people. It says that He ate fish, that people touched Him. It also says that they were gathered together in one room with the doors locked, and then Jesus was there in their midst. So we know that, that Jesus still had some form that they understood, but He also wasn't bound by all the things we're bound by. Somehow he entered the room even though the door was locked. I don't understand all that. I'm just being transparent with you this morning. I don't know what it means, but he says here, don't you understand that what is buried and what comes to life from that burying is not the same thing. You don't bury uh, uh, you know, the fruit. You bury the seed and the fruit grows from it. And he says it's the same thing, that this physical body is going to be buried in the ground, but what is going to live forever is not the physical seed that was planted, but the spiritual body. Amen? So all these aches and pains and groans and, and, and all the things that afflict us in this human body are going to be done away with. And I don't understand it all, but I trust that if it's in the Word of God, it's true. But here's the part that I love, man. I just, you can't hardly read it without getting a little bit excited. But he says that this corruptible is going to put on incorruption. This mortal is going to put on immortality. That's, that's the good news. When we talk about the good news, the good news is everything Jesus did, but also that what we're doing now is temporary. And that someday death is going to be swallowed up in victory. The competitor in me when I read, Oh death, where's your sting? Oh grave, where's your victory? I get a little bit excited. I get a little bit excited. Because I've had too many times in my life that it felt like death won. Had too many times in my life when I said, Oh God, this is what it's about. I don't know if it's for me. Just being honest with you this morning. But I know that someday death doesn't win. That really, the word tells us to be absent from the body is to be present, is to be present with the Lord. So death has already lost for our loved ones who have fallen asleep in Christ, who have died in Christ. Okay? But I haven't seen that victory, and I think that's what this is talking about. When He's the first fruits, the fruits are coming. It's going to be a day that we're going to see the victory ourselves. I'm going to look at one last 
one last set of verses. We'll shut down. But Ephesians chapter 4, just a couple pages over from where you're at. Here as we read in 1 Corinthians 15, we know that what this is talking about is that when Christ returns, we're all going to be resurrected. And the corruptible is going to be done away with, and the mortal is going to be done away with, and we're going to be made perfect. We're going to be made perfect and eternal and immortal. But I'm telling you this morning that we should not wait until resurrection day to be resurrected. I believe that in many ways, as believers, we have already been resurrected. And here's what I mean by that. In Ephesians chapter 4, 22-23, it says, "...that you put off concerning the former conversation of the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind." that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. See, the day I made a decision that I'm going to follow Jesus, the old man was already laid in the tomb. The old man has already died. And when I, when I said, Jesus, I'm ready... Jesus, my life is not about me anymore. Jesus, I know that You have died for me and that You have offered me salvation. And today, Jesus, I fall on Your mercy and Your grace. Save me. And I'll live for You. The old man was dead and buried. And the new man was raised to life. Been blessed with baptisms recently and going to have some more next week. And that's a picture of that very thing. Take and you lay them under the water and you're saying the old man is being buried, the corruptible is being put off, the mortality is being put off, and then you're going to be raised to a newness of life that is eternal. It's a beautiful picture. It's weird how God works things like that out. That was a joke. It's not weird. He knew. It's cool. It's neat. That Jesus knew that someone like me was going to need a visual that when I surrender to Jesus... The old man is going away and the new... Now, listen. I haven't been resurrected to perfection. <laughs> always count on forest. But spiritually, I've been resurrected already and someday I'm going to physically be resurrected. Baptism is just a picture of that. But... This morning, maybe you don't know Jesus yet. Maybe you haven't put your faith in Jesus. Maybe you've been one that says, Dusty, that's a stretch. That takes a lot of faith. I don't know. Putting my faith and trust in someone who died 2,000 years ago? Building my life around someone who died 2,000 years ago? I don't know. But maybe this morning you've got that tug on your heart that says, Hey, it's faith. You're not going to wrap your, your physical mind around it. You're not going to. But you know God has put in you a desire to know Him and a truth that there must be more than this life, that there must be more than the daily grind. And maybe this morning you say, you know what, I'm tired of fighting it and I'm ready to surrender to Jesus Christ. It's as easy as that. It's, you put off the old man 
which is corrupt according to his deceitful lust, and you are renewed in the spirit of your mind, you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. I'm a visual guy. So I'm going to do a quick visual and we'll be done. Something I've done before, and some of you have seen it, and some of you are like, oh, I know it's coming. And, but to me, it's good. And so, the way I like to think about this putting off the old man and putting on the new is something like this, okay? If my left hand represents me and God is looking down and He sees what? He sees me. Nothing special, right? And my wallet here, I usually use it to represent sin. So now as God looks down on me, what does He see? These aren't trick questions, folks. Help me out. He sees my sin, right? So when God looks down, He looks down, He sees my sin. And I like to think of my right hand as being Jesus. Now when God looks down at Jesus, He sees Jesus. That's pretty impressive. That's good stuff. But that's not all He sees. And so... This is a Christmas present from my daughter. A little pocket watch with a sweet inscription. I like to use that to represent Jesus' righteousness. So when God looks down at Jesus, He doesn't just see Jesus. He sees Jesus' righteousness. So when I come to the place of salvation, I say, alright, Jesus, I can't do this alone. I want to be saved. Save me. Then what He does is He comes and He takes away my sin. That's pretty good, Right? But now when God looks down, what does He see? He sees me. Still not very impressive. And in reality, if given enough time, enough, well, it doesn't take a lot of time, I'm going to eventually pile more sin up. But God doesn't stop there. What He does is Jesus transfers His righteousness over to me. So He's taken my sin and He's covered it with His blood. And now when God looks down, He sees over here he sees Jesus. Well, that's, that's good enough. That's Jesus. But now when he looks at me, what does he see? Jesus' righteousness. He doesn't see me anymore. He doesn't see my past mistakes. He doesn't see my scars and my bruises. He doesn't see all that. When God looks at me, praise God. When God looks at me, all he sees is Jesus' righteousness. That, my friends, it's how I'm going to get into heaven. It's not because I'm good enough. No, no, no. I'm not. I won't ever be. It's not even because He just loves us. He loves us all. But it's because I have done away with the old me and I've been clothed in His righteousness. Apart from that, there's no hope of salvation. See, I am not righteous in myself. But I am positionally righteous because I have been clothed in Christ. And that's how I can be confident that someday when the resurrection occurs, I'm going to be saved. I'm going to be resurrected to life. It's because of His righteousness. So maybe this morning you say, well, Dusty, you don't know what I've done. You don't know where I've been. You don't know how guilty I am. Listen, if you'll surrender yourself to Jesus, He'll take away your sins, but He won't stop there. He will clothe you in His righteousness. And then it's not about you anymore. It's about Him. 
And I'll promise you, His righteousness is bigger than your sinfulness. His righteousness is bigger than your past. If you'll just surrender, He'll do the rest. And then when we think about the resurrection, we won't just celebrate that Christ rose from the grave 2,000 years ago, but we can celebrate that our loved ones who have died in Christ and us someday will be resurrected to true life, eternal life. If you've never made that decision to follow Christ, let today be your day of salvation. Maybe you've been saved, but you've been wallowing in the muck and the dirt of this world. And today Jesus says, hey, you've been covered in my righteousness. You're saved, but it's time for you to start living like it because there are lost people who need you to do what's right and to be the church. Deal with that. Deal with it at the altar. You can come talk to me. We have other people that would be love to talk to you. But today, if God is calling you to do business with Him, do it. Jesus, I love you, and I thank you for this group of folks. And Lord, we thank you for uh, good attendance today and, and scrunching into pews, and Lord, for how far you've brought us. Lord, but I pray that it won't just be a day of celebrating what has happened, but that it'll be a day of celebrating what is happening. Lord, I pray that, God, folks will be saved. And Lord, I thank you this morning that when you look down at me, you don't see me, but you see your Son, and you see His righteousness that has clothed me and that has covered me. I just pray you'll do a work that only you can get credit for. We love you, Jesus, in your precious and holy name. Amen. Go ahead and stand with me. Remain in an attitude of prayer. If you need to do business with God, please don't put it off. Now is the time. Thank you.